Welcome to Wellness Now, a health and wellness information program brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. Each week we go in depth with different healthcare experts on some of your top health questions, getting answers to help you live your best life. Hello and welcome to Wellness Now, presented by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. I'm your host, Dr. Michael White. According to the American Heart Association, nearly one in three Americans has high cholesterol. That's why this week, as part of our Heart Healthy series, we're going in-depth on all things cholesterol. It's a term we talk a lot about in healthcare, but it can actually be tricky to understand. Joining us to break it down is Dr. Meredad Sararian. He is a District Medical Group Interventional Cardiologist at Valleywise Health and Chief of Cardiology at the Valleywise Health Medical Center. Dr. Sararian, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Dr. White. You know, I also happen to be a cardiologist, so between the two of us, hopefully we should be able to explain this topic to our audience today and answer their questions. So let's start with the basics. What is cholesterol? So that is a fantastic question. Cholesterol is a uh, waxy organic molecule, and it's an essential building block for healthy cells. And it's also necessary to produce certain types of hormones, including estrogen, progesterone, stress hormones, and even vitamin D. Cholesterol production, in fact, is so important for uh, healthy living that the liver and intestines produce about 80% of the total cholesterol content in our body. Uh, really only 20 to 30% of cholesterol comes from the foods that we eat. And it's also important not to, uh, not to confuse cholesterol with fat, which is really a different type of molecule. Different types of ingested fats, such as I'm sure you've heard saturated versus unsaturated fats and polyunsaturated fats, et cetera. These affect uh, the types of cholesterol that are produced by the body. It really is, you know, a fundamental building block of all of our cells in the body, and it's important. So we recognize that cholesterol is an important thing and, a, and an important part of maintaining a healthy metabolism, a healthy uh, way for our body to regenerate our cells. So right. we do measure some numbers. What do those cholesterol numbers mean when we go to the physician or our provider? Uh, as you know, fats, cholesterol, and water don't mix, right? So in order for these cholesterol and fats to be transported effectively through the body and through the bloodstream, you know, the, the, the uh, human body being primarily composed of water, uh, these cholesterol and fats that are ingested need to be packaged with other types of molecules called lipoproteins, which comes from both lipid and protein. These lipoproteins act as detergents or emulsifiers to allow these fats to circulate easily through, uh, through water, through our bloodstream. And these, these proteins, these, these packagings are recognized by specific receptors on the cells, which directs the fat and cholesterol payload into specific cells and tissues. And each of these lipoproteins has their own function. And that is what we measure when we do a cholesterol blood test. So uh, when you, I'm sure your, your audience has heard of such terms as perhaps chylomicrons or VLDL or LDL and HDL. These are all different types of packagings, so to speak. And the least dense proteins have higher concentration of fats, such as the VLDL is more, more fat compared to proteins, or um, LDL has more protein compared to VLDL, for example. So we measure these various lipoproteins, which is essentially cholesterol and fats, 
package into specific molecules, and that's what we specifically measured when we're doing blood tests. When we talk about those numbers, we're talking about that HDL or that high-density lipoprotein or that low-density lipoprotein. And when we talk about LDL, what is the difference? And, you know, when I talk to my provider, they're telling me, you know, one of these is good cholesterol, but one of these is bad cholesterol. Are they both good? Are they both bad? Why do we talk about them in those particular terms? LDL, it happens to be the major carrier of cholesterol in the body. When there's too much LDL circulating in the bloodstream, these molecules are taken up by specific cells called macrophages. And these become trapped inside the walls of the blood vessels, and that, that's what contributes to cholesterol plaque buildup inside those vessels. And these plaques are the main cause of heart attacks and strokes, leading to the association of so-called LDL cholesterol as being the bad cholesterol. Now, HDL cholesterol, on the other hand, acts to transport cholesterol from the cells back to the liver. So it's called this reverse transport system. And the liver either uh, uses that cholesterol that it receives to be, uh, to be excreted in the form of bile or for other tissues uh, to synthesize hormones. So large numbers of HDL particles correlates with better health, whereas low numbers of HDL particles are associated with plaque buildup in the arteries. So in a sense, HDL is called the good cholesterol because it removes cholesterol from the circulation, whereas the LDL cholesterol is considered the bad cholesterol because it has a high content of cholesterol and too much of it leads to plaque buildup within the blood vessels. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about heart health and what you need to know about cholesterol with Dr. Meridad Sararian, District Medical Group Cardiologist at Valleywise Health. Dr. Sararian, why should people be concerned about their cholesterol? We've certainly talked about uh, the plaque buildup there with LDL, but are there other reasons that people should be concerned about their cholesterol level and how does it impact their body? Well, um, different conditions uh, uh, can lead to uh, high cholesterol levels. Uh, and depending on the types of cholesterols that we talked about, whether you have high amounts of VLDL cholesterol or LDL cholesterol compared to the good cholesterol, the HDL cholesterol, that leads to this imbalance where there is more plaque buildup within your uh, vessels over time. There are, in fact, several types of even genetic conditions that can lead to higher levels of uh, bad cholesterol or LDL cholesterol circulating in the bloodstream. And these can lead to premature or early heart attacks and early strokes. Certainly, you know, we see this and you and I see this quite a bit in our practice around, you know, the effects of that plaque buildup when these plaques become inflamed and rupture and, and truly cause those uh, heart attacks, which causes us to have to do other things to be able to treat this um, or, around it. Are there other impacts that these cholesterol buildups can have other than within the arteries of the body? So uh, b besides the blood vessels, depending on the amount of cholesterol buildup, in the, uh, uh, there, there can be other manifestations within the body uh, around the eyes, for example, or sometimes around the tendons where you can, you can have what's called tophi. Um, so there's the various different skin manifestations of high cholesterol, but these are fairly rare. It's not the common uh, manifestation of high cholesterol. And these patients tend to have these rare genetic conditions that can lead to very, very high cholesterol buildup. 
Yeah. Again, you know, the biggest effect that people are going to have or would have for these elevated levels is that risk of plaque buildup or atherosclerosis or, we know, commonly what we call hardening of the arteries around that or that plaque buildup. That's right. So that's right. What is a healthy cholesterol level? Since we talked about it is important that we all have cholesterol, our bodies make cholesterol to be able to function appropriately. Is there a, a good level that people should maintain or is too high, too high, too low, too low? What's, where should we be? Well, the consensus among uh, experts uh, in heart disease and stroke recommend a, for the adult, the total cholesterol measured, which is a combination of the goods and the bads, to be less than 200. So that's considered to be good. Anything above that is considered you know, uh, uh, elevated and you, know, you can go from, you know, 200 to 250 or so considered to be moderately elevated and above 250 or so to be quite extensively elevated. We don't really talk about low cholesterol because most studies suggest that the lower the better with less risk of, of having heart attacks and strokes. Now, if we can, we can break those down. We just, just talked about the total cholesterol, but we can further break it down into the different components, the good and the bad, and even what's called the fats, which are the triglycerides. For a, a good, healthy uh, ideal uh, level of HDL, we consider that to be 60 or higher, which is actually quite uncommon. Uh, most, most patients uh, in, in my practice tend to have HDL cholesterols, perhaps in the 40s, rarely in the 50s, some, mostly usually lower than 40. LDL cholesterol ideally should be less than 100. Uh, below 70 would be ideal, and that's what we target when we treat patients who have certain heart conditions who've had heart attacks, example. So we try to lower the LDL to below 70. And then uh, triglycerides, which is the kind of the fat content in the body, um, we try to aim for a number below 150 and ideally below 100 if possible, if achievable. And, and it's really an important you know, con- distinction that you've made there around the balance that all of these different particles play. And again, they all serve a role of normal body function within within our circulation. And that ratio is important to the good cholesterol to the bad cholesterol, which is a That's lot right. of times where we focus a uh, majority of our treatments to be able to restore some of that um, right. and restore some of that balance. That's right. What makes the cholesterol go up? I know you talked a little bit about our diet early on, but is, is that really what makes cholesterol go up? Is that the only component? Well, uh, like I alluded to earlier, um, only 20 to 30% of our total cholesterol in our body uh, is derived from food sources, right? The rest is produced by the liver. And and that has, you know, that uh, genetic factors come into play. Uh, There are, of course, certain other health conditions that can raise cholesterol. And we can uh, talk about both. Uh, Of course, in terms of diet, because all animal cells contain cholesterol. Therefore, all animal-based foods have cholesterol in varying amounts. So major sources of dietary fats and cholesterol include red meat, egg yolks, whole milk, cream, cheese, yogurt, and butter. Deep fried and fast foods and processed foods contain saturated fats and trans fats. And these are well known to increase the LDL levels. So, uh, and then on the other hand, there are certain times, as I mentioned, genetic mutations that can uh, cause the LDL cholesterol to go up. And there are many different kinds of defects within the LDL receptor 
uh, that doesn't allow the LDL to go into the cells themselves. So, and therefore, they continue to circulate in the, uh, in the bloodstream. There, in fact, there are over 2,000 of, uh, of such mutations uh, uh, that are known. There are other conditions as well, a liver disease uh, that prevents uh, the body from metabolizing. Uh, cholesterol, uh, diabetes, and thyroid disease slows down the body's capacity to metabolize cholesterols and fats that can, that can lead to high cholesterol. And, if, uh, and then uh, less commonly, certain types of kidney diseases and adrenal gland diseases where too much hormone is being produced can also lead to uh, high cholesterol in the, in the, in the bloodstream. Dr. Meredith Zerarian is answering your top questions about cholesterol and heart health. You can make a virtual or in-person appointment with a district medical group provider at Valleywise Health by calling 833-855-9973 Monday through Friday from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. or by visiting valleywisehealth.org and clicking the Book Appointment button. Dr. Serarian, so we've talked a little bit about those conditions. How do people know that they have high cholesterol? Are there signs or symptoms that we should be looking for? So the majority of people who have high cholesterol, barring those very rare patients who have genetic mutations that causes their cholesterol levels to be very extreme and who manifest with certain uh, skin uh, conditions associated with high cholesterol, barring those patients, uh, most patients with high cholesterol have no symptoms whatsoever until it's too late and they have a heart attack or a stroke. Uh, so uh, the really only way to detect high cholesterol is through a blood test. So we talked about that. So we talk about cholesterol testing, and that's being a, a blood test that you have to go have done at the lab or by one of your providers around it. How often should we be tested for our cholesterol? Right. So uh, testing for cholesterol should start uh, early in childhood. Um, uh, uh, you know, as you go through um, uh, your routine checkups, the uh, clinical recommendations are, are for children uh, to be tested uh, once between the ages of 9 and 11, uh, and um, again between the ages of 17 and 19, um, just to screen for uh, uh, those familial conditions. And then subsequent to that, once you're in the adult uh, uh, age group, uh, if you have no risk, no risk factors for uh, heart disease, uh, such as, for example, diabetes, smoking, high blood pressure, or, or family history, then testing should occur every five years. Now, uh, uh, if your test uh, results are within an undesirable range, then your doctor might recommend more frequent measurements, uh, particularly if you have a history of heart disease or other risk factors such as smoking and diabetes and high cholesterol. I know you and I are... Um somewhat unique in the fact that majority of the patients that we see and we take care of likely have a cholesterol problem, which is part of the reason that we're seeing them. So many of them um, right. are already being treated. So That's right. how often or how do we treat cholesterol? You know, again, you and I often joke that, you know, everybody should be treated from it because that would help us, you know, decrease the burden of cardiovascular disease right. that we see. But really, how is this treated and those medications that we use to, to help this or other therapies that we use to treat this condition? Right. So high cholesterol primarily should be treated with uh, regular exercise, uh, smoking cessation if you do smoke, and a, and a strict diet consisting of low saturated fats, a trans fat free diet uh, and low cholesterol foods such as uh, red meats and egg yolks and things that I uh, mentioned. Uh, now again, uh, 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 the total cholesterol in the body uh, comes 
predominantly from what's produced and not from what we uh, ingest. Uh, so despite these uh, dietary uh, and other lifestyle interventions, you can still have high cholesterol and in such, uh, in such cases, then sometimes medications are necessary. And the most, most common type of drug that are used uh, uh, to treat high cholesterol are, uh, belong to a class of medications called statins. And I'm sure your, your audience has heard of such drugs such as Lipitor, for example, which is probably the most common statin prescribed on the market. There are other classes of cholesterol-lowering medications uh, besides statins, uh, uh, less commonly used, uh, of course, but there are at least uh, four or five other different types of uh, cholesterol-lowering medications uh, on the market today to be used either in, uh, with statins or instead of statins. And, and certainly, you know, we know that medications are a useful tool to help people restore their balance to do this. But, you know, one of the questions that commonly gets asked to me is, can someone exercise, eat healthy, and still have high cholesterol? Right, uh, they, they can, uh, because uh, the liver and the intestines produce 80% of the total cholesterol found in the body, right? And so, uh, this is regulated by your genetics. So familial hypercholesterolemia is a common life-threatening con genetic condition that causes high cholesterol. Uh, and in fact, if untreated, uh, it can lead to early heart attacks and heart disease. Uh, people, people, patients with familial uh, hypercholesterolemia have very high amounts of LDL or bad cholesterol uh, in their bloodstream due to a mutation in one of several genes that controls the way cholesterol is cleared by the body. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, when one individual with uh, familial hypercholesterolemia is diagnosed, it's important to screen all the family matter, uh, all family members, uh, because there is a fifty percent chance that uh, a, a child of someone with uh, familial hypercholesterolemia has inherited the gene mutation. Uh, and there are so many different gene mutations, at least 2,000 known gene mutations that causes familial hypercholesterolemia. But you know, the good news is that uh, with uh, early testing and regular treatment, uh, individuals with familial hypercholesterolemia can still live uh, uh, long uh, and uh, healthy lives. Absolutely. So, you know, you had alluded to this earlier around those foods that have a high portion of cholesterol, some of those that have high saturated fats, um, you know, and some things to avoid than in people that we know that have high cholesterol. Is there anything that people should be eating if they have high cholesterol to help them lower this? You know, we've read historically about red yeast rice or some of those types of agents that may help with that. Um, is that proven or should people just maintain, you know, avoidance of foods? Well, certainly there are uh, uh, proven diets uh, that can uh, lead to a, a better balance of LDL bad cholesterol versus HDL good cholesterol. Um, there are uh, studies looking at uh, what's called the Mediterranean diet, uh, foods high in uh, uh, fibers, uh, oatmeal, oat bran, high fiber foods, foods high in fish and omega-3 fatty acids that can lead to uh, a decrease in the bad cholesterol, the LDL cholesterol, the LDL cholesterol, and an increase in the HDL cholesterol. Um, there are... Uh, uh, nuts uh, and almonds uh, and walnuts are, are known to uh, raise the HDL cholesterol. And there are other types of food that have 
good uh, fats, such as um, polyunsaturated fats, avocados uh, being one of them, olive oil uh, being another, and you know plant-based foods that are uh, high in what's called plant sterols or stenols. Um, these have a, uh, a chemical structure very similar to cholesterol, and it competes with animal cholesterol uh, uh, to be absorbed into the system but they don't lead to a rise in those cholesterols because they're a sli slightly different type of molecule. So plant-based foods, uh, foods high in fiber, uh, fish that are high in omega-3 fatty acid, nuts, uh, uh, almonds, walnuts, et cetera, avocados, olive oil, all these uh, help to raise the good cholesterol and lower the LDL cholesterol. Uh, one other uh, type of food that's been also mentioned is whey protein, which is found in dairy products. It's the actual protein, not the fats and the cholesterol itself. And, uh, and th this whey protein may account for many of the health benefits attributed to dairy. And so studies have shown that whey protein uh, given as supplements can actually lower LDL and total cholesterol as well as even blood pressure. And you can find whey protein powders in health food stores and even some grocery stores. One uh, last thing I wanted to mention is that is the trans fats, which is, has been uh, associated with an increase in overall cholesterol and bad cholesterol levels. Trans fats um, has now been banned uh, uh, from, uh, the, uh, from the FDA uh, uh, beginning of January of 2021 this year. Uh, sometimes you, you may find uh, these labels as uh, partially hydrogenated vegetable oils. So these contain a high amounts, a high amounts of trans fats and really should be avoided. They have deleterious health con consequences. Absolutely. And I think it's just important, you know, as you very much, you know, have illustrated it, there are a lot of ways that our diet can help influence our cholesterol, even though so much of it is produced by our bodies. Kind of as we're wrapping up today, you know, I always like to ask our guests, what are three things that we can leave our audience with today that they should know about their cholesterol to help guide their future health? Right. First of all, most important thing is to uh, check in with your, uh, uh, with your clinician and get tested. Uh, get, uh, uh, understand your family history uh, and understand your risk factors. Are you uh, overweight? Uh, are you... Uh, prone to diabetes? Do you have thyroid conditions or other health conditions that predispose you to um, what we call uh, uh, early uh, or premature uh, uh, cardiac uh, heart conditions? Uh, there are tools uh, that allow us to test or prognosticate what your risk factors might be based on your weight, based on your family history, based on uh, your cholesterol numbers and other conditions such as, uh, conditions such as smoking, high blood pressure, et cetera, which allows us to put you in a risk category, right? And so uh, uh, getting tested and speaking with your clinician is of the utmost importance. The last thing I wanna uh, uh, throw out there is, um, uh, is getting treated, right? If, if your clinician uh, uh, brings up uh, uh, the possibility of treatment, I wouldn't be too shy about it uh, because uh, early treatment can prevent uh, heartache, no pun intended, uh, down the line. And the earlier you start, the greater benefit downstream, right? If you're um, uh, elderly, uh, you know, you don't have as much time to benefit from statins as if you were uh, initiated treatment 
you know, decades before. So the earlier treatment leads to less heart attack, less stroke uh, in our uh, golden age. And I think that's an, uh, an excellent point. I think that, you know, identifying those that are at those greatest risks, being able to have early intervention, because this is truly a preventative, you know, group of medications, a preventative strategy, because really you don't want to see one of us in, in the middle of the night if you can avoid it. And doing some of these things really helps that um, around Absolutely. It. So, Absolutely. Dr. Meredith Zverian, District Medical Group Cardiologist at Valley Wise Health, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me again, Dr. White. Absolutely. If you missed any part of the show or want to hear something again, you can join us anytime on our podcast at valleywisehealth.org slash be well. Thank you. And we'll talk again soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to Wellness Now, brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. If you're looking for more information about what you heard today, visit us online at valleywisehealth.org slash be well. There you'll find blogs, podcasts, and information about the healthcare providers you heard on the show. You can even book an appointment at a Valleywise Community Health Center near you. That's valleywisehealth.org slash be well. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.